everyone. This is Pastor Ryan, and this is our podcast. Welcome to Live Alive Church, and I just want to thank you for listening in. I hope this message encourages you, strengthens your faith, and causes you to keep pressing forward for who God has called you to be and created you to be. God bless. But um, Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will need to be, that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in, a, in hostility towards all of his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had bore. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So what I want to speak to you as a continuation of our series, and now we're on the eyes of the Lord. I want to talk to you about naming your circumstances naming your circumstances can we do that let's pray father i thank you lord for your word i thank you god that your word is already anointed i just pray god that you would come over your servant one more time to preach your holy holy word infallible word true word powerful word anointed word god that i would speak with clarity and i would speak with boldness and directness of purpose god Lord, that you would speak through your servant, Father, that it wouldn't be me, that I would decrease as you increase, Holy Spirit. Have your way. God, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. So I want to talk about naming your circumstances. And the reason why I want to talk about naming your circumstances is because we all go through things in our lives that are struggles. We all go through things in our lives that are battles. We all go through things in our lives that weigh us down, that tear us down, and beat us up. But I believe it's about perspective. If we can have a perspective about who God says we are and how we act to our circumstances is, is going to be the outcome to what we go through. Let me rephrase that. So the, per, the perspective of how we see our circumstance is, is going to be how we name what we're going through. If we believe that the enemy is attacking us and will always attack us and call us unworthy, then we'll believe that we're unworthy. If we all believe that we're all always going to go through a struggle and we're always going to be always going to battle, then we're always going to believe that we're incompetent and that we're never going to overcome. If we always believe that we'll never have victory in our lives, then we'll never have victory because it's about how you see your situation. You have to see your situation no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much of a struggle it is. You have to understand that through it all that even though it may be so much heaviness around you. What's the Bible say? That where there is the spirit of heaviness put on the garment of praise. And we have to understand that the way we see our struggles and the way we see our circumstances around us will define the destiny that we are trying to reach. Because there's ways that we begin to think. There's ways that we begin to go through things in our lives that will determine our situations emotionally about what we may be going through. The Bible says that Jesus told his disciples that it's not what defiles a man that goes inside of a man. He said what defiles a man is what comes up out of the man's mouth. And the Bible also says that you have with your tongue that you can speak life or death to a situation. So if we always continue to go around like uh, 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 w with a bad spirit and a bad mind and a bad heart and we continue to go through these struggles in our minds and struggles within ourselves and we never think we're ever going to be good enough, guess what? Then we're always going to think we're never good enough. It's about naming your circumstance. No matter how hard it is, you continue to tell yourself you got the victory in this. No matter how hard the pressure is, you keep telling yourself, I got the victory in this. No matter how hard, the, the, maybe you might get knocked down, but guess what? It doesn't define who you are. Because yes, you might lose some battles, but guess who won the war? Jesus will always win, baby. Every single time, he will always win. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face in your life, God will always win the war. Yes, we may get knocked down a couple times, but what's the the Bible say it says a righteous man falls seven times but gets right back up it's not about how much you get knocked down it's about the getting up that's going to give you the strength because there's so many things this world is going to come at you with 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 financial uh, burdens with emotional burdens with struggles that we continue to face on a daily basis on on things that we go through there's always going to think be things that's going to knock us down but it's about how we're going to get up and fight the situation that's at hand. And I believe that in this story that Sarah named her circumstance. 
Because if you, let me go through a little bit of history here so I can get you to understand what is going on through the context of the word. So in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham and he said, take your family and get out of this country and I'm going to take you to a place, to a promised land that I have for you. And I'm going to make you great. And he said, I'm going to do all these wonderful things for you. And, and you're going to be the father of many nations. In other words, God said, you're going to, be, you're, you're going to have so many promises, so many blessings. You're going to have so many things. You're going to be the father of many nations. In other words, he said, you're going to give birth to all these people. And, and he still hadn't even had children yet. So you can only imagine what Abraham felt. He said, so God, you're going to tell me I'm going to be the father of many nations. I don't even have a child yet. So yet he goes through, he, he goes through situation after situation. So four chapters later, which I want you to understand, from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 16, there was a 10-year difference. So there was a 10-year gap in between when God spoke the promise to Abraham to Genesis chapter 16 to the situation that we have on hand. So watch this. God spoke to, to, to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and then in Genesis chapter 16, there's a 10-year difference. So then God spoke the promise, but then there was ten, a 10-year ten span that nothing ever happened. Don't you ever feel like you go through that in your life, that when you go through, you, you go through struggles, and, and, but you knew that God spoke a promise, and you know that his word says that you have victory, and you know that his word says that you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, and you know that his word says that you can have his peace that surpasses all understanding, and you know that his word says that you are made strong in, 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 in the midst of your weakness, that, that God will give you what you need, and you understand, and you're quoting his scriptures, and you say, God, this is your promise but yet there's a 10 year span where nothing ever happens what do you do in the midst of that gap in the in between from the promise that has been spoken to a 10 year gap when nothing even happens I feel like sometimes in my life I go through that same thing. I'm like, God, you smoke a promise, but where's the victory? Where's the, where's the blessing? Where's the promise? Where's, where's what you have said that you would do in my life? Where's it at? Because I'm not seeing it. And I don't know about you, but I get in there. I can't, look, I can get there with the best of them. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm human. Just because I'm the pastor, don't make me better than you. I go through the same struggles, through the same situations, through the same battles as everybody else goes through. And I can see Abraham, and I can understand why Sarah gets to this point in the middle of the scriptures. And Sarah gets to this place where she says, you know what? God hasn't bore me no children yet. So here's what we do. We come up with a plan. Now, now Abraham, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead and sleep with my maidservant. So they have this Egyptian slave named Hagar that Sarah says, you know what, Abraham, since I don't have any children yet, since the promise hasn't came yet, let me go ahead and speed up this process so, I can, so we can go ahead and fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. But see, that's what a lot of us do. We get to a place where we want to speed up the process and work towards the plan that God has for our lives. But let me tell you something. Forcing something to happen is not faith. Mm -hmm. 
Forcing something to happen is not faith. And that's where we all get to in our lives. When we don't see the promise happen right away, we begin to try to force things to happen. When God says forcing is not faith, he said walking blindly is faith. He says, he said, what, did, what does he say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? He says, he says, you don't walk by, he says, we don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith, by things we don't see, right? So we have to get to that place where, where we understand, okay, God, if you spoke it, even though I don't see it yet, even though it don't look like it yet, even though it doesn't seem like it yet, even though the process, the situation, the struggles, the attacks, the things that are coming my way, even though it don't look like it yet, God, I know that you're still going to show up. Your promise is still real, and you're still real in my life, no matter what happens in my life. Just because the promise hasn't been revealed yet doesn't mean that God's word wasn't relevant when he first spoke it to you. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And Sarah got to this point where she became too impatient and she wanted to force something to happen and, and force something to happen in her life and her, her life to, to, to try to fulfill the promise that God first spoke 10 years ago. So, oh, 10 years goes by, so nothing happened, so let me do it. You ever been like that in your life? You're just trying to force something? Ten years goes by, God. Look, look, God speaks a promise in our lives and six months goes by. God, you, God, God, you didn't give me the girl that you promised me. You, God, you didn't give me the boyfriend. I know you told me I'm going to have a boyfriend. I'm going to get married. I'm a big house with a white picket fence. And, and God, you told me I'm going to have that job. God, but God, this is what God's saying. God's saying it may not look like it right now, but you have to understand it's a process for me to get you through it. Even though it may not happen right away, doesn't mean it's not going to happen at all. Because through it all, even though he might not got you to the promise yet, and even though you may be going through struggles, he says, guess what? You have my word to help you get through it. See, we, we, we tend to look too much at the destiny, at the destination, and at the promise instead of trying to focus on the here and now on what God can get us through in our lives. You know? It's about the process happening. It's about the process of what God can do. The problem with, with Sarah was this, that she had unbelief in what God could do in her life. So this is what she ended up doing. She ended up blaming God. Watch this. She said, the Lord, the Lord has kept me from having children. So you know what unbelief does? Unbelief causes us to blame others for what we don't have. God has kept me from having it. So we get to a place where we don't have what we want when we want it. So we're going to blame everybody else because we don't have what we want. And we don't have what we need when we need it the most. God says, I'll provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory. And we get to a place where we don't see it happening. But God blesses somebody else just like he, just like he blessed Hagar to be conceived with a child and Sarah wasn't. And so she got to a place where she, she, she started blaming God because of what she wanted to happen in the first place. Do you understand what I'm saying? So watch this. Maybe the reason why we haven't saw the fullness of his, problem, of his promise yet is because of our unbelief. Mm -hmm. 
maybe the reason why we haven't seen the fulfillment of what he has promised us. Maybe the reason why we haven't seen our healing yet. Maybe the reason why we haven't truly seen our deliverance yet. Maybe the reason why we haven't truly seen who he's really called us to be yet. Maybe the reason why we haven't fully matured into who God has called us to be yet is because the unbelief that we have inside of us. Maybe that's the reason why we haven't seen the miracle yet. Do you know what happened to, to Jesus you know what happened to Jesus when he was, uh, when, look, he was in his own, he was in his hometown. He was in his hometown. Watch this. He was in his hometown. This is what the Bible says. When Jesus went to his hometown, the people began to make remarks about him. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this such and such's brother? Isn't this his brothers and sisters? They started making fun of who he was. And watch this. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And this is what the Bible says. He could not do any miracles there because of their lack of unbelief. So maybe the reason why we haven't truly seen our miracle yet is because the unbelief that we have inside of us. Because it's the unbelief that we continue to carry on and believe, and, and we come to church and we keep coming to church and we're and we're believe what we try to believe what the word says. We try to believe, you know, what this what this Bible is telling us. But we get to a place in our circumstances where we're like Sarah when we don't see the fullness of what He has spoken in His word come true yet. We name the circumstance by how we act. And the, what she named her circumstance of what Sarah was going through, she named her circumstance unbelief. Because she didn't see the fullness of her promise yet. So she tried to force something to happen when she didn't stick by the plan. And God said, if I spoke my word, I will do it. He said, I am not a man that I shall lie, nor the son of man that I shall repent. If I spoke it, it's going to happen. So maybe the reason why we haven't saw the miracle take place yet is because we named the circumstance by what hasn't happened. So, so we get to this place in our lives and we have too much pressure. We get, we get too much things that go on in our lives. And we got this long to-do list. And, and then we start thinking, oh, I'll never get it done. And I'll never do this. And then what happens? You, done named your, you, you named your circumstance anxiety. Now you got anxiety. Now all of a sudden you can't get it done. And you can't get all that to-do list done and you can't get all these situations done in your life and, and you don't have enough money to do this and, and then you start naming yourself I'm unworthy. You start naming your circumstance unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm never going to be this. I'll never provide for my children. I'll never be the, a good husband. I'll never be a good mother. I'll never be a good father. You know? I get to that place in my life too. I start thinking about situations and circumstances in my life when I feel like I'm not seeing the hand of God move and I'm not seeing Him do what I believe He can do. And I start naming my situation. You want to know I start naming my situation? Doubt. I doubt. Oh, that's not going to happen. I'm doubting. I'm, I'm, I'm doubting Diddy over here. Doubting uh, Didymus, Thomas in, in the Bible. I'm doubting Diddy. You know, I walk around like, mm, God, you spoke it. I don't see it. I doubt it's going to happen. Mm, God, I don't see many people fill these chairs. Mm, I doubt your promise would ever come true. Mm, God, I don't see, you know, 
the, the, the promise being fulfilled like you said it would be fulfilled. I doubt it's ever going to happen. So we begin to name our circumstances from what we don't see yet. And if we continue to act that way, maybe that's the reason why we're not seeing the miracle actually take place. Because just like Jesus was in his home, I mean, think about this. Jesus was in his hometown. And people begin to scoff at him. Oh, it's just a carpenter. He's just, he's Mary's son. He's just a carpenter, you know. And, G, and the Bible says that he couldn't even perform any miracles in, in the hometown because of their unbelief. Maybe that's why we haven't seen our miracle happen because we walk around with unbelief. We act like we believe. But in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of what's not being seen yet, we start to have unbelief. Just like Sarah. Just like what she was going through. So all of a sudden you have two different people in this scripture. We have three. You have Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. But the two differences I see in this scripture are between Sarah and Hagar. Sarah wanting something to happen by force, Hagar ends up being pregnant. Sarah ends up blaming Hagar, or blaming God for, for giving Hagar a son. And so now what happens is, is Sarah gets to a place where she starts mistreating Hagar because of the blessing that she has. <laughs> you ever got to that place where you see everybody else getting blessed and then you just all of a sudden you just you just start acting a certain way. You just start acting a certain way by somebody. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a brand new car. Yeah. You, you walk by it, they ain't looking. You spit on the car. You just, you know. She, for, what, for what Sarah, she, she told Abraham, go sleep with the servant. And she's the one who told him to do it. And she's now mistreating Hagar for what she told her to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, come on, wake up and smell the coffee. See, it's not their fault. Maybe sometimes we look at it every, every, everybody else's fault, but really, it's our heart. It's not what's not happening. It's, it has to deal with our heart. It has to deal with our heart. Because now, because she started mistreating Hagar, guess what Hagar ended up doing? She said, you know, uh, screw this. I'm not going to live in this house. I'm not going to live in this place where somebody just continues to mistreat me and continues to act like this towards me and continues to, to, to scoff at me and call me names. And, and you ever been to that place where, you know, people have, have just talked about you and they, they betrayed you? I mean, think about how Hagar feels in the midst of this situation where she... She, she wasn't even supposed to be part of the plan. But she just got brought into the plan. She just got brought into a situation that never even should have been her situation in the, place, in the first place. But guess what I like about Hagar, though, even in the midst of it all? She flees from the house and she finds herself at this place in the desert where she sits there and then all of a sudden an angel appears, appears to her. And while the angel appears to her, she says, you know, what are you doing? 
Why are you, why are you here? Because sometimes God wants to, he already knows the answer. He just wants to know what you're going to say. He just wants to know how you're going to react to it. So what happened was, is she ended up getting to this place where she may have fled from her circumstance. But when the angel spoke to her, he said, I'm going to bless your seed and it's going to be so numerous you aren't, you're not even going to be able to count what I'm going to do in your life. In other words, he said, I'm going to bless you so much that you're not even going to understand the many blessings that I'm going to give you in your life. And guess what? She ended up believing what the Lord told her in the midst of the scripture. And guess what? She ended up naming the place. She named the place. She named the situation that she was in. And you know what she named it? She named it Beer La Haroy. I'm not talking about beer as in, uh, you know, uh, drinking. I'm talking about she called it Beer La Haroy, which means he is the God who sees me. So here's the difference between Sarah and Hagar. Sarah named her situation unbelief because she didn't see the promise be fulfilled yet so she forced something to happen so here's what happened with Hagar she was caught in the midst of the plan she may have been going through a circumstance too where it may have been tough in her life but guess what she named her situation and said he's the God who sees me because what she did she had a different perspective she said if God spoke this into my life and he said he's going to do what he said, I, said he's going to do in my life then I'm going to believe it and she named her circumstance with boldness and believed God for what he said he was going to do in her life and that was the difference between what Sarah was going through and what Hagar was going through and if we can ever just get a plate in a place in our lives and say you know what I'm not going to be like Sarah and have unbelief but I'm going to get to this place where I'm like I'm like Hagar caught in the midst of this thing and caught in this circumstance caught in this struggle when everybody's against me and I'm struggling but you know what even in the midst of the struggle I'm going to name this place where I'm at and I'm going to name it victory even though I'm struggling I'm going to name it and I'm, I know I'm going to have strength even when I feel like I'm weak and I'm going to name it joy even when I feel like I'm going through depression and I'm going to name it all these things because I know if God called me to it and he spoke it to me then I'm going to get to where he called me to be we have to stop walking around like uh, Sarah's I'm believing for the women I'm believing for the men that we would stop walking around see here's the thing here's the thing men and here's the thing women we have to stop walking around like Sarah and we have to start walking around like Hagar. Knowing that God has birthed something in us and even though we may be going through struggles, we're going to believe God for something huge. Because Sarah was going through a place in her life where God spoke a promise. She knew all about it. But see, here's what happened was there was a 10-year span of nothing happening yet. Because of her unbelief, Guess how many more years happened before they even had the promised child? 13, 14 years until they really had the promised child, Isaac, that was supposed to be the promised child to carry on. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the promised child, but God still blessed her because of her faith. And because of how she felt in the midst of the circumstance, even though it may have been bad, even though she may have even fled from that situation because people, because she was being mistreated, she still got a miracle. 
She's still God. Watch. We have to be careful how we treat people who have what we don't have. Watch this. Your true character, if you can write this down, your true character is revealed in how you respond to what others have and you don't. Mm -hmm. You need me to say that again? Your true character is revealed in how you respond to what others have and you don't. Because let me tell you something, I can get to the place in my life where I, I start thinking about all these other churches out here. And I'm like, I'm jealous. They got thousands of people. But not thinking about the fact that they've been there for 60 years. I hope Live Alive 60 years down the road has at least a thousand people. Come on now, church. I mean, good Lord. But see, I begin, we, this is what happens. We begin to compare ourselves with others. We, we, we begin to measure ourselves with other people. And we begin to say, well, okay, they might, have, they might have this, but I got that. And we start to try to make ourselves feel better for the things we do have that they don't have. And that's not Christianity. Christianity is coming alongside your brother and your sister and say, you know what, man? God bless you for the blessing that God just gave you. It's not standing back in the corner and saying... Well, never going to get my blessing. God bless you, brother. Uh, oh, and then we start wondering why we, we, we aren't receiving the blessing that is rightfully for us. And we start wondering why we're not getting the blessing and the promise that, that God was, is, is supposed to, has supposed to been speaking to us. But this is the thing. I like it how she, she calls her situation... You are the God who sees me. She named her situation. In other words, by faith, she said, you know what, God? You saw me in the midst of this, and you're going to get me through it. Do you believe that today? That can you stand here and say, you know what, God? I'm no longer going to walk around with unbelief. Just because I don't see what you, you, you said in your word that I should have. Just because I may not have joy. Just because I might not have happiness. Just because I may not have peace in this very moment. Just because I may not have strength that you said was available to me through your word. Just because I might not have a two-story house with a white picket fence. Just because I might not have that girlfriend that you promised me or that boyfriend. Just because I'm not married yet. Just because I might not have that job that I really want yet doesn't mean that God is not moving in your life. And be careful in the midst of that situation because just like I said, your true character is revealed in how you respond to others for what they have and you don't. Because we can start walking around with bitterness. And guess what happens? We walk into the church with bitterness. Walking right up in the church trying to get your praise on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bitterness all in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Jealousy all up in your heart. Anger all up in your heart. And you try, you try to worship Jesus. Jesus is like, why don't you get that out of your heart first and then worship me for who I am? Because what happens is you can't never truly get to where you need to be in worship until you let that stuff go. Because if you don't let it go, it's going to continue to eat you up. And guess where your mind's going to be the whole time? 
Your mind is going to be on that circumstance. And you've done named your circumstance. You've done put a name on it. See, that's the thing. This is what happens. We play a story in our mind about the situations we go through, and we already put a title on it. We put a title on the story. And it ain't even how it's going to happen yet. You always, something's going to happen. You, you leave here and you'd be like, okay, i got to do this, but that might happen, and this is going to happen, and all of a sudden you done named that, and you're like, oh. You done, you, done, you, done, you done named it doubt. You done named it unbelief. You done named it, you, I got anxiety. You know? where, in the, where in this Bible, and I'm wrapping this up, where in this Bible does it say that you have anxiety? That you, that you should have anxiety, put it that way. For one, the Bible says, cast all your anxiety upon him. It doesn't say that you should have anxiety. He says that you should walk in fulfillment of his purpose for your life. That you shouldn't walk around with rage in your heart. You, should let, you want me to preach on a series in the book of Romans? Because we can get deep. Some of y'all might leave the church. I start preaching on the book of Romans. Y'all might not even, you, you start thinking, God, are you, are, is this, this ain't really supposed to be in the Bible. This is not, this is not Bible. No, it's Bible. It's Bible. But you don't hear some of that stuff preached in the church today. I like that little, uh, that little photo on Facebook I seen floating around with the, with the picture of the person's lips with sugar all over their lips and how it talked about how people like to come to church with, with the sugar-coated preaching. Because people don't want to be confronted with sin. Because it's, it hurts their feelings. Listen. When you, when you operate by your feelings, that's not faith. If you want to be made well, where do you go? If you're sick, where do you go? You go to the doctor. You might not like to hear what they have to say. Oh, you got pneumonia. Okay, well, I got pneumonia. What do they give you? Antibiotics. Okay, well, guess what? When you come to church, I'm going to tell you about what you may not should and should not have in your heart. You may not like it, but let me tell you who can fix it. <laughs> His name's Jesus. He can wash you by the blood. He can purify your situation and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You may not like me telling you that you struggle with pornography. You might not like me tell you you struggle with rage in your heart. You might not like me telling you that you, that, that you have these struggles within you. But guess what? That's the only thing that's going to make you better. It's the only thing that's going to make you happier. You have to lay it all at the table. Lay it all down. That's the reason why we don't get any breakthroughs is because we're afraid to lay down what God says to lay down. So we walk around with this heaviness and we wonder why we're not getting a breakthrough. When, when Jesus said, cast all your cares, he said, come to me all who are burdened or heavy laden. He said, come to me. Come to me. Yes, we got to come to him no matter what the struggle is. And see, that's what it is about a church family. We all don't need to always know each other's business, but we all should come together and pray for each other. We should all love each other to the cross. doesn't matter what we're all facing. Listen, if I'm struggling, pray for me. Take me. 
Take me in and, and, and clothe me with prayer. Clothe me with joy. Clothe me with peace. That's what it is about being a body of Christ as we come together no matter the circumstance, no matter the pain. You know, I'm tired of church as normal. Uh, look, look, I'm tired of, 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 of people going out here into different churches and being church hurt. You know, church hurt is the worst hurt. You go to church and you get hurt and then you're blaming God and then you're never going to church again. You know, I want this to be a church that people can come to for second chances and say, you know what? You may have been hurt at that church or you may have been hurt in the world, but let us show you what true community, true church is, true love is, true fulfillment is. Because that's how you're going to win people to Christ. That's how you're going to win. Look, Jesus went around. Yeah, he, he might have went around naming things that were true. But he also went around sharing his love with everybody. Just like the woman that was caught in adultery. You know, and there was five men. He said, he who hears without sin cast the first stone. Jesus, all of them, dropped the, the stone. Jesus even wrote in the, in the sand. And he said, woman, go and sin no more. He was showing his love. He's going around showing his love. That's how we're going to win people to the cross. You don't win people to the cross with bitterness. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't win people to the cross with anger in your heart, jealousy in your heart. Look, we're already coming to church as it is with struggles. Why have struggles within the church? It's already a battle enough to get up on a Sunday morning. I don't want to have battles within the church. Let's come together. Let's take on this world and conquer this devil and this enemy as one body and one mind and one accord. So we can reach the destiny and the vision that God has called us to for Live Alive Church. That's the only way we're going to do it. And I believe that we're at, we're at an age and we're at a place in this ministry where people are starting to understand that, that, that we're hungry for what we want God to do. That's the only way. You, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. Right? <laughs> I mean, hey, when you went to go apply, when you went to go, uh, you know, start your driver's ed and you wanted to learn how to drive a car, you didn't know how to drive a car until you started trying it. Right? Let me stop. Stand to your feet. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying.